Hello and welcome to episode number three of For Fit's Sake, the podcast brought to you by FS Gyms. I'm Rory McInerney and I'm joined as always by Kieran Ruddock. Before we roll on to this week's interview with Reese Ruddock, I just want to address some questions that people have popped into us. The first one is surrounding when the podcasts are going live. It's going to be a bi-weekly podcast. Uh, you can catch it launching on all of our social media channels, FFS Gym, Rory Mac, FFS or Kieran Ruddock. But you can also hit it up on the website ffs.ie forward slash podcast. You'll have a full feed, uh, all the episode descriptions, everything will be there for you to easily access the second question is show notes obviously we're talking about a lot of books resources uh, some of the guests we have on have got their own resources they're dropping in uh, we will list all of those in the show notes and again they will be on the website ffs.ie forward slash podcast okay so on to the good stuff last week we were joined by reese ruddick in the studio just after the autumn internationals wrapped up where reese picked up another cap as ireland captain and um, reese is such a good guest to have on this podcast because obviously he's got elite level experience in rugby but he's also pursuing a degree in strength and conditioning he's currently working in the performance field as well as playing rugby so he knows what it's like to apply the learnings that he gets from that elite environment to you sitting here listening to this podcast from the episode, you're going to get tons of great takeaways on nutrition and recovery. Take some great tips from Reese on what he does to handle his body uh, with the physical demands of rugby, how he handles the pressure of captaining his country and performing week in, week out in front of huge crowds. But most importantly, you're going to have a lot of fun listening to the episode, especially when we dig into how Reese got his ass whooped by Rudds in an Uncle Ben's cooking competition, something that Reese prides himself on his ability to cook. So let's not delay, let's get stuck in. Okay, Reese Rudds, thanks for joining us, boys. How are we doing? How's your Sunday? How's your weekend going, Rudds? Very good. Um, had a nice uh, bit of dinner last night with Reese and a, f- um, a few of the girls in the gym, um, and then in here on a Sunday morning, ready to podcast. Reese, you enjoy your dinner? Lovely dinner. Um, Were you cooking? Which one are you cooking? No, no, we went out for dinner, so uh, platform pizza and bray. Oh, very nice. First time, good feed. Yeah. Recommend it, yeah. Really good. Good carbs after a match, Rudds. Yeah. Well, I actually had the steak because I can't turn down At a steak. pizza place? Yeah, I can't turn down That's steak. dodgy. That's, yeah, I wouldn't be too pleased. Like, get the pizza. If we're going to a pizza place. I went for the pizza. Yeah, fair play, Reese. Cheers. Okay, yeah. So, uh, Reese, thanks for joining us. Um, what, what's it been like this week coming out of kind of the camp for the internationals last few weeks, coming back to, to Leinster? How's your week been? Yeah, it's been good. Um, really enjoyed the experience of the last sort of four weeks before this one. And, um, yeah, just really enjoyable experience. Um, obviously, winning the three games, but also just being back in that environment and uh, an intense period, but um, enjoyable all the same. But this week's kind of been uh, a little bit different. I wasn't playing on the weekend, obviously, so um, had a bit of downtime. Um, used it to catch up on some college work, um, relax, and uh, did a few sessions as well. I was in in the gym here doing one of the bodyweight blitz classes yesterday so um being, change change it look very bad yeah yeah by sarah sarah warren <laughs> making me look bad on the burpees but um it was nice to have a change of environment and come in here and do some training as opposed to the gym we train in every week so brilliant good. that's probably something that like we'd obviously be really interested in and kind of our members and just anyone who likes to train at the gym what's what's the environment like in say that you know that elite level top level of sport in Irish camp or in Leinster camp is there certain things that in that environment that it just gets really easy to get you motivated that people could look for in their own training environment whether it's a gym like ours whether it's going to train on their own if it's putting their headphones on is there certain things that make you take in that environment more than on your own I think um looking at the like similarities from obviously coaching in here with you guys 
um, and seeing how everyone uh, approaches their training. The similarities would be that you guys create uh, an amazing sort of an environment where it's really positive and um, there's a lot of encouragement, but also, you know, the people who are in the class doing the workout are encouraging one another. They're sort of pushing the standards and that's kind of the same as being involved in any team is that, um, you know, no matter how you're feeling the day you come in the gym, once the energy gets going and then, um, you know, you see someone next to you lifting a certain weight or doing a certain um run or putting in a certain amount of effort it inspires you and drives you on so you definitely get that feeling when you walk in the door here when I'm in coaching in here that people are pushing the standards and you guys are lifting the standards when when you're coaching and encouraging people as well so um, there's definitely a lot of similarities I would say anyway and Ross, that's what we always talk about is that gives us more pleasure as coaches when people are motivating each other and we can kind of step back and see it happen organically in, in the sessions absolutely and as well I think being around people who have similar goals and interests is one of the uh, most motivating things and most enjoyable things as well. I was actually training the guy there last week and he was telling me about his football team and he was saying that um, basically they've qualified for the Europa League now for the first time and I was like, oh really, how are they doing? And he's like, not very well, it's hard to uh, <laughs> soar like an eagle when you're surrounded by turkeys. And I thought that was very good, but it's kind of true in a gym environment or uh, any sort of pursuit where you're trying to get better. You, if you went in the gym and there's not really um, a culture of people trying to get better or people displaying good habits, people having fun with their workouts, you could go in and have the same workout that you normally do and you'd find it like 5-10% off in terms of your pace and your, and your enjoyment because you're not, you're not in an environment where people are enjoying the work and doing the work. Yeah, that energy is contagious, and uh, I suppose um, in in a rugby environment or in the team environment that I'm involved in, um, you know, everyone's highly motivated, and I suppose that's why they've got to that place. But uh, from being involved in this gym, uh, you can see that same sort of feel. Like everyone who comes here is hugely motivated, and um, obviously as well they know each other well so they've got that sort of want and desire to make each other get better as well and it does come down to that and we always say it with, with even in work or your professional kind of relationships with people if you surround yourself with people who are really motivated and driven you're going to enjoy what you do an awful lot more and you're going to get better results all the time um, but Reese, like it'll come down to leadership as well I'm assuming at some point so I'm just obviously we had our extensive research team dig out a lot of um, info on you aka Rudds with the laptop but uh of all the teams, we look back, your rise up to rugby from literally going back to, was there a team in Millfield that you were a captain of with uh, several current international players around the world? Yeah, it was uh, <clears throat> Millfield, the school in Somerset um, in England where um, I was lucky enough to go to my uh, family. We were moving, my dad was going to coach Worcester at the time, so uh, we were moving away from Wales to England, so I was having to uproot and you know get make new friends go to a new school do all that so probably something I hadn't thought about going away to boarding school before but um, as I said there was going to be change I was going to be moving school and making new friends all that kind of stuff anyway at 16 so uh, the opportunity came up to go to Millfield and I don't know Kieran obviously knows but I don't know if you do but it's it's really good school. I saw a picture in your your house once yeah. yeah Yeah, we're looking very smart the only time very, you see me in a suit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, apart from the um, the ads in the airport, 
yeah. rocking in. You have every time I come in from a flight, I just you greeting me, staring me in the face every time. Yeah, they superimposed the suit on me, <laughs> and, along with a few touch-ups on the face as well. Um, yeah, but it was a great opportunity, and um, it's really big sports school. Um, so yeah, the team I was involved with at that time, um, a lot of the lads have gone on to be professionals, and a lot of lads uh, gone on to be in- internationals as well. So. Um, it was a great experience and you could tell even back 16, 17 years of age that these guys were highly motivated and uh, they knew where they wanted to go and that they were obviously uh, talented as well. So uh, great to get the opportunity to play against them now on the international level as well. And for if we've got like younger people listening now who are probably that age and in schools, like what is the quality that the guys, just give some of the names, Mako Vanapolo, Jonathan Joseph. Jonathan Joseph. Um, Ollie Lindsay Haig, who I saw was playing Dubai Sevens for England there. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> there's a lot of guys as well playing Premiership and things like that. Uh, Henry Thomas, the English tight head. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, what, what what are the qualities that you saw? You could see probably from a young age that these guys were standout players and being looked at. Like, what, what's the thing that they had that if younger guys are listening to this now, they can think it's something that they might need to add into their game or to work on? Was it a mental skill? Was it physical? Was it pace? What, what stood out? Um, well. Yeah, looking at those names, looking at them back now, I would say all of them had a physical standout ability. Um, Henry Thomas was big, strong, um, athletic for a prop. Uh, he also played cricket for England, so he was very skillful. Um, Ollie Lindsay Haig had out-and-out pace and footwork, and then Jonathan Joseph was um, a pretty um, Im- impressive athlete all round, really. But... I don't know whether, you know, I suppose the question is like, is that because they're naturally gifted or because they've been displaying the same mentality, mindset and work ethic that I saw when they were 16 years of age, probably years before that in order to improve and uh, be better than their peers. So um, I don't know if you guys have an opinion on that. I remember one thing that was, I think obviously it's that nature versus nurture debate and there's, there's no doubt that those guys had obvious natural talents um, but one thing I remember was I remember coming to watch you play and I'd heard a lot about Mako but I hadn't seen him and I was seeing him and I was like oh my god the size of his legs <laughs> he's huge and I just you know, I just said and obviously myself being kind of getting into weight training around that time um, I, I was like right I've got to find out what he does for his squat routine so I was like Therese what uh, what does your man Mako do in the gym? I say he's in the gym all the time. I say he's squatting every day and all this sort of stuff. And he's like, no, he doesn't really do weights. And I was like, what? <laughs> and you're like, no, he doesn't really do weights. He's like, you're like, he's just so big. He's so big, but he's been told that he needs to work on his fitness and he needs to keep his weight at the weight he's at now. So he uh, has the keys to the gym and he goes and he does um, cardio himself uh, three times a week on his own. And I was like, at that age, that, that's, that's very dis- for, for me. It was very disappointing because I was like, I, I, I don't. Where's get- the quick fix? Yeah, where- <laughs> I gotta do cardio. Uh-oh. Where's oh, my the weights? <laughs> I, was, I was like, where's the weights and where's my squat routine to have massive legs? But it really did stri- strike a chord in me. I was like, wow, Jesus, that guy. He isn't working uh, like to make his strengths even stronger necessarily. He's been told this is one thing he needs to work on probably not the most enjoyable thing mm. but he's going and he's doing that on his own the whole time and you you hear that and you see how good a player he was and you're like well that guy is going to be an international rugby player because he's got the talent but also 
talent's nothing if you don't work hard and he's obviously got that mindset where he he does what it what he has to do to get better yeah i suppose it's only when you like look back at the time i probably when you asked me that and i you know said oh no he he doesn't even lift weights he's in doing cardio on his own and that's what he has to do probably didn't even think of it in that way but now that you look back you kind of go geez that's something hugely different to what the majority of people at that age would be willing to do so um I suppose it says a lot about him and um the sacrifices or the commitment he had at a young age you know yeah and that's that's what my people it comes back to um even people who are trying to get good results in the gym like there there's a certain level of sacrifice has to be made and I think your outlook on these things are very important some people see them as it's just necessary to get me to where I want to be it's what's involved in stepping forward all the time but for you personally like is there a huge sacrifice that have to be made or is it just something that look this is this is the way I'm hardwired these are things I got to do to get to where I want to be um I genuinely would rarely see something as a sacrifice um because purely because you're so you're you're so motivated and fixated on getting to where you want to go that you're almost you're happier doing it could be doing a certain eating a certain way getting up at a certain time whatever it involves i i find i'm genuinely happier living my life that way than um if i wasn't making those sacrifices if you want to say and you know doing what um i don't know some people might say is the most enjoyable way to live or you know eating a certain way eating what you want going out i i, I genuinely don't feel good if i'm don't have that structure yeah. or i don't have that sort of um put those sorts of structures around my and day-to-day is, life is it the process that motivates you then those you know like putting the, putting the plan in place to get to where you want to be and really sticking to that process is that something that will motivate you yeah um and definitely i like I would have learned a lot from Kieran and the way his outlook on things and his mentality. This is uh, your bigger, no, older, smaller brother. Yeah. Just like, I, I kind of took, oh, how did it take us 10 minutes to get Older, lighter brother. Lighter, okay, lighter, yeah, yeah. yeah. Older, skinnier brother. Rich called you jacked last week, so <laughs> yeah. you were delighted with that. I love you, Rich. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think one thing you were saying is you don't view it as a sacrifice. Um, I'm actually reading a really, really interesting book at the moment. But How many just, books are you reading? Every, yeah, every I, podcast is like, I, I'm reading the book about this. It's so. actually yeah. true though, because I'm, I'm, I'm still trying to get through the book we were talking about the first one. I'm yeah. like, yeah, okay, okay, go on. I just finished it. It's called Drive, and <clears> it's um, a book about motivation and what lies behind motivation. And there's this really interesting concept that they talk about, and it's called the Tom Sawyer effect. So basically, your perception. Rush, Tom Sawyer. Yeah, Tom Sawyer. Yeah. yeah, good tune. It's your perception of something. So it's like, well, I'm going to eat healthy and I'm going to train regularly and I do these things, and that's a sacrifice. That's a you know something you have to give up. But what it is is it's your perception of that. So, for instance, with the Tom Sawyer effect, when Tom Sawyer was being paid to paint the fence, he's like, I have to paint this fence. Mm. And then he got bored and didn't want to do it. So he tricked his mate and he goes, oh, this is amazing painting this fence. Uh, this is the best crack ever. And then his mate's like, oh, please, please, please. Let me, <laughs> let, me paint, let me paint the fence. And then he sits down and his mate paints the fence. Or they're talking about uh, stonemasons where the, uh, the guy comes over and sees this person building stones for hours and hours. And he asks him, he's like, what are you doing? And he's like, oh, I'm building a wall. And he's miserable about it. It's going to take me this long to do goes over to another guy and he's doing it and he's doing it way faster and he looks way happier and he's like what are you doing he's like I'm building a cathedral it's it's the same thing but the way you see it 
So I, I think that that's, that's a, a really important thing to take from what Reese said, and we can all apply to our health and fitness. Sometimes it can be very easy to put yourself in a perception that you have to do something. So like, oh, I have to be at the gym. But you like, well, I actually get to go to the gym. Uh, I could be like, the best example for me is when I get sick or get, when I get injured. If I catch myself doing that, I have to go do this session or I have to eat this thing. I kind of think back to when I was sick or think back to when I was injured. And all you want to do after the first one or two days of being sick is like, oh, I want to go to work. I want to eat. I want to eat better. I want to train. Like there's only so much Netflix you can watch. (laughs) Which is a lot. (laughs) <laughs> that's but I remember we, we had a chat during the summer when I did my shoulder I couldn't play golf and it was kind of a time where like rugby had just finished I got injured playing rugby and the golf season is supposed, supposed to start and I was so miserable I just couldn't we were out the back garden yeah. uh, I couldn't train for weeks I couldn't do anything and I was like Rudd's pulled me aside he could tell I was like properly miserable and uh, we started talking about visualisation and other tactics just to keep, keep me entertained more than anything but I remember we could finally train out the back garden sun was shining and I just that feeling I had from doing like bodyweight stuff, the most basic stuff ever, I kind of took, you told me about that story. I kept that in the back of my head, how good that felt to train for that half an hour, whatever it was. And whenever I'm kind of in a funk where I'm going, oh, I don't want to go to the gym. I don't want to do these things. I, I still have that in the back of my head really clearly, that half an hour, how much fun we had and how good it was to get back, getting a bit of a sweat on. So like it's something that definitely people who are going through like a long journey in health and fitness, like it, it might seem a sacrifice in the short term, but if you always remember where you want to go in the process that you're setting out, same with you, Reese, all mm-hmm. the way from when you were 16 to get to where you are, like if you just really are buying into it and trying to enjoy the process, it becomes a whole lot easier and you're more likely to get the results and the longevity that you want from it. Yeah, I think as you, I've heard you guys, I'm pretty sure speaking on the podcast about it, I've definitely heard you talking about it in day to day, but um, sort of recognizing and acknowledging the small wins, I think that's massive, like, uh, especially if you're someone who's just getting into health and fitness or getting into going to the gym, you could be quite hard on yourself. And naturally, we are quite hard on ourselves. So just to acknowledge like those times where you feel good or where you, you know, you, you get a PB or you improve from one week to the next in something, you feel a little bit easier doing a conditioning session, whatever it might be, to acknowledge them and just let yourself feel that little bit of positivity, that little bit of good. And then you move on, you go back. But I just think sometimes we can be a little bit hard on ourselves and not enjoy the journey. So, um, you know, that positivity and that enjoyment that you get out of the small wins is definitely massive moving forward as well. Keep you keep you trucking. You can you can really see that probably roads working with nutrition with people. It's obviously a different thing. You know, if it's physically in the gym, you, somebody can see, right, six weeks ago I could do one chin up now I can do two chin ups it's probably easier to gauge the metrics than it is with like the particularly the mental side of eating and how people have emotional attachments to their eating um, it's probably harder for people to recognise progress in those instances um, like is that something that you see a lot Reese hit the nail on the head where he's like people tend to be their own biggest critics so um, what 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 I see is people focus on the things that they're not doing well but not in the way that, like, I'm not doing this well, I'm going to do this and make a positive action. It's like a stick to beat themselves all the time with. I can't do this, I have no willpower. Da, da, da. Or they're like, oh, I'm doing, I've done four weeks of healthy eating, my body's hardly changed. There's no point, I'm not going to do this. But what we see now is we've just done transformations. We've done 12 weeks of our first... Results trans- are in today, tomorrow? Today and tomorrow. Yeah. Loads of awesome pictures coming in, loads of awesome emails. But with that process... 
I was coaching people through it and talking people through it. And what I was saying to them is after four weeks, you'll feel a difference. Eight weeks, others will see a difference. Twelve weeks, you'll see a difference. And the reason for that is that eight and twelve week mark where you'll have changed, but you see yourself every day and everyone's tendency is to be their own biggest critic. So then you're not giving yourself the credit for the change that you've made. But everyone else is like, Jesus, man, you look great. You've done this, you've done that. Um, so I think the con- the concept that I say to people is progress, not perfection. Mm. So focusing on that ties into those small wins. Yeah. And the other the the thing that you were talking about, which I'd like to bring out and highlight for people, and I use in my coaching and I use in my own uh, approach to things, is if you wouldn't say it to someone else, don't say it to yourself. So what that means is if you were in the gym, me and you, Roy, and... I I wouldn't go up to you and go, oh jeez, you don't look like you've changed at all from the South Eaton. <laughs> or the last week you look you look a tiny bit fatter than you were a week ago, or any of these types of things, or oh jeez, you've got Put-downs, one yeah. you've got one pull up less this week. What are, you, what are you doing? I thought you were eating healthier, I thought you were doing better, I thought you were making an effort. You'd never say that to anyone, but how many of us say that to ourselves? When you get one pull-up less than you did last, like, oh, Jesus, you can't do this together. So I think that's a really important concept to take out of what you said. I think celebrating the small wins, progress, not perfection, and the final piece is, if you, don't, if you wouldn't say it to anyone else, don't say it to yourself. Mm. That's probably <clears> harder, <throat> harder to do than people think, but it, like, it's, it's so important. It keeps you positive, keeps you feeling like you are getting the small wins, and it just becomes a mindset that makes everything easier for you. There's less, there's less roadblocks. You don't get in your own way. You can just focus on your process and keep plowing forward. Yeah, well, like, like what I was going to say as well earlier was like I've learned a lot from Kieran in terms of mindset and stuff. Always uh, probably didn't really look into it too much when I was younger, but I knew there was something about Kieran that you know he was very highly driven and he worked hard and he's always been that way and it's only like over the last number of years where I've become more interested in focusing on you know what makes people tick what makes people achieve and uh, this likes of Kieran and he said it to me before and then I heard uh, Johnny Sexton actually make this point a few years ago and it definitely tweaked something in my mindset and it's made me you know I think work a lot smarter and also uh, a lot happier in terms of the work I'm doing and it's kind of ties into that progress not perfection but uh, Kieran said to me before about focusing on the process and I think there was a time when I was hugely outcome focused all my goals were make this team make that team do this number of tackles this percentage of carries in this area whatever and it was all outcome focused and a lot of things which were out of my control therefore a career which any career is hugely up and down and you get you know good times tough times but I think a sporting career is probably uh, those ups and downs yeah, are even bigger, bigger you know yeah, yeah. and they come quick you know you could have a huge high followed by a massive low and it can change all, all, all very quickly so um, to be too outcome uh, driven and outcome focused uh is not a healthy way to live your life and certainly not in this career. So there was a time when that clicked with me on the back of Kieran, conversations with Kieran and then hearing Johnny say something as well. And I just decided that, right, I'm not going to worry about the end outcome so much. I'm going to focus on the little bits of detail and the process of how I can get better, not necessarily how I can get to exactly where I want to go, but just keep getting better. 
And since that point, I've literally found my mindset has changed. I've enjoyed the process so much more. I'm enjoying my rugby, but I'm also just in life happier and find I'm able to consistently work harder. There's the, the, the lows don't knock me back as much and the highs you take them as they come and you just keep stepping forward to try and progress again. So um, definitely a massive point is what you say, progress, not perfection, but also, um, yeah, focusing on the process. So how do you, like we've obviously been huge fans of your career the whole way through over the last couple of years. Um, I remember when you were kind of just starting out, you boys were in college together in UCD. You came over to my house, we cooked a big bolognese and you broke my couch. Mm. Two of you sat in the same one. Wrestling somewhere. on it. You weren't even, you were just, <laughs> you were just sitting on it. Um, you know, the couch had never seen it like that before. Myself and Big C aren't probably the same as the Bash brothers wrecking everything. But um, like, you're talking about kind of the way your career's grown. Obviously you went from sort of Millfield came, moved to Ireland then, playing with the Irish 20s. Yeah. Um, Irish 20s World Cup was in Argentina, wasn't it, when you got the call up? Yeah. What, what was that experience like going to tell, tell people, the guys who are listening, maybe what happened there if they don't know? So, uh, yeah, so I was uh, captain of the under 20s team um, to travel to Argentina to play the Junior World Cup. Um, we, we had a tough uh, first couple of games. And I went running, basically, is what happened. <laughs> that's probably yeah. what your teammates would say to you. Still yeah, that's slagging what they're slagging me about. Well, yeah. so call, you, know, you were called to a different... Yeah, so different... We, we, we lost a couple of games and uh, ended up... There was a lot of injuries on the senior tour. They were in New Zealand at the time. Um, I suppose good fortune on my end, a lot of injuries and um, the depth of the squad was sort of tested and um, I was uh, fit and out playing in the 20s. World Cup, so uh, it was obviously a summer tour for them. Got called out to New Zealand to join up with the senior team um, and ended up, yeah, playing the midweek, I think, against uh, the New Zealand Maori and going on to get my first cap the following week in Australia, in Brisbane against uh, Australia, yeah. So um, pretty mad as we were talking about those ups and downs. Um, you had the the real lows of the World Cup experience, you know, such a big part of anyone's career. Uh, captain the side, and we'd lost our first two games against England and France. Um, and it was a hugely testing time. It was, uh, as captain, I felt, you know, a lot of responsibility for that. It was tough, you know, a really tough time. And to get the call up to go and potentially make my international debut, and that's the way it ended up panning out. Um, but then, obviously, the nerves of, didn't know any of the calls I didn't even I'd never even met any of the lads outside of Leinster I'd only played a couple of times for Leinster so it was just a real whirlwind experience but then to have the highs of uh, the first time put on the jersey and uh, getting my first cap it was just a mad couple of weeks really crazy experience probably great guys in that team probably looking looking after you and making sure you fit into the mould quite well yeah uh, I think the person who looked after me the most was Keen Healy actually okay uh, yeah, so uh, he was kind of a similar, only a few years older, and I think uh, credit to him, you could see that I was maybe out of my depth a bit and uh, didn't really know anyone, and uh, yeah, he really took me under his wing and showed me the ropes. The only thing was, I think he was such a physical freak, uh, and is such a physical freak. Still is, that, yeah. Yeah. In, in fairness to him now, I've seen he's, he's a consummate professional with his diet and nutrition and recovery and everything like that, but at the time he was still young and 
he was probably able to eat what he wanted. So uh, it was my first involvement in an international camp, and he was bringing me in Brisbane, uh, Brisbane up to High Street to go get McDonald's like two <laughs> days before uh, international and things like that, walking past the to management and stuff but I didn't know any different I thought if he's doing it surely it's this all right this is what you can do <laughs> but uh, yeah it was, I really appreciate him looking after me but I've seen even in his progression he's uh, as I say the consummate professional now and the detail he puts into his diet and nutrition recovery all that has uh, gone up a, another gear you can see in his performances now and uh, that, that's obviously when you're going into that environment you're probably you probably put a lot of I don't know did you put a lot of pressure on yourself or are you like look this is a free crack I'm a young guy there's probably not a huge expectation on me or were, were you personally said no this is this is a real opportunity for me to to make a name for myself did you put much pressure on yourself in that situation yeah I think I always put a lot of pressure on myself uh, especially back in those days um, I think now as I said I'm more process driven and I it's given me more confidence and I kind of um, I know that once I'm doing the work and um, putting in that level of preparation that's needed that I can relax a little bit more and enjoy the experience back then I think I put myself under a lot of pressure uh, but I don't think I quite understood what it meant to be a professional in terms of I was 19 years of age I didn't quite know the level of work that needed to be put into preparing for a test match and um the amount of knowledge you needed and um, just the clarity that you needed to be able to go out and play in that sort of an arena and play your best rugby under that amount of pressure. Um, that's something that I think you learn over time. So experience playing with Leinster um, and then obviously more international games as well has um, led me to understanding at least what, what is needed and uh, I suppose trying to make sure that you go about your business in the right way to make sure that you're ticking all the boxes so that you can play your best rugby on, on the biggest stage. That, that's, I'm sure Rudd's agree with this, that's like anything where people that are thrown into sort of, it's a similar environment, but it's slightly different either the expectation is higher. It can be either professional if you're a young guy getting promoted to a different role or you're starting a new job, but as well people who are throwing, immersing themselves in a, you know, a health and fitness environment where they're, they're trying to improve themselves or coming from maybe a low base and they they try to throw themselves in too quick and expect too much from themselves and it becomes negative you get back to those that negative self-talk we were looking at before that's probably something that, you know we would have seen a lot in our early days anyway oh, definitely <clears throat> i think what you can really tie in is that what we talked about is if you're doing what it takes to achieve that goal you're gonna get the result at some stage, so just focus on doing that, and then the rest of it will take care of themselves. So, like one of the phrases we talk about with our nutrition coaching is, um, "Does your behaviours match your goal?" So, at the end of every two weeks, we sit down and we just go, "Like, okay, here's my uh, muscle girths, here's my weight, here's my progress picture. They're the outcomes." But then it ties back into, "Did my behaviours match my goal?" And then honestly reflecting and going, "Yes," honestly reflecting and going, "No." And then go from that. So instead of getting too caught up in those things, because we need that data, we need to be able to objectively see are we getting better or how we could change things. But then tying it back to something that we can directly control and go, well, if I do these ten things that I should do on a daily basis, um, that's my that's matching my goal. 
these results will take care of themselves of so you, what you're talking about there in terms of that preparation are you doing your film are you uh, studying your job do you know the opposition all those types of things and if you feel like you've done all those things to the best of your ability then what you said about just going out and in, enjoying the experience and enjoying the opportunity that you have um, so I think that can definitely be tied back to us in our everyday lives whether it be in the business in terms of um with the gym dude like for myself writing the classes so when i'm writing the classes if i know that i've done all the research if i know i've taken time to sat down and look at how the class is going to run is there going to be enough space for this is it going to be that are these people going to enjoy it and then if they go well great but if say for instance they didn't go well or we didn't achieve the results we wanted I can look back at that and go, well, okay, I just learned from that. I'm proud of what I did. And now this next class or the tweak we're going to make is make going to make it even better. Whereas I suppose if I just went in and rushed it and didn't yeah, do a yeah. good job, then if it didn't go well... You don't know why. Well, I think, you don't know why. Yeah, you, you're gonna, you, you got what you deserved kind of thing. Yeah, well, I think you're right because it's, it's all like kind of ties into that uh, process-driven, not outcome-driven. But I think once you have that sort of mindset... It's so much easier to um, go back and assess, like you said, looking at your behaviors over the course of that week or however long it is, and honestly evaluate them rather than going, when you're too outcome driven, you tend to blame it on the referee or blame it on external there's, there's factors coming in there's too yeah. many things you can't and control. you don't really understand the process so I think just focusing on the process means you can have an honest evaluation you can assess and you can be okay like you said you can be okay with if you don't have the best outcome you don't perform the best as long as you've put in the work and you've honestly um, you know ticked the boxes as I said in terms of your preparation or in terms of your work and the process, then you can be happy with whatever outcome. To an extent, you're always going to want yeah. maybe a little bit better, but you can uh, at least attribute it back to why and the behaviours that maybe need to change and you can move on. So I definitely think that's all so ties in well. We're talking about comparisons there and people making comparisons to themselves, like something with even just take the transformation challenge. I know we've talked about it in the last few podcasts, but it's topical at the minute. People are going to... like it's going to happen and it's unfortunate that when they'll take their progress pictures they'll be delighted they you know they'll they'll get that certain like you talked about they'll know they stuck to the process and the results will come the way they want but people will always look at other people at the end of the day and say i did really really well then they see someone else's picture and it's all of a sudden oh that person did better than me which you know defeats the purpose in a way it's unfortunate but if people can really take anything from what we talked about for the last few minutes i think it's be you know focusing on yourself focusing on the process and knowing that if your behavior matched your goals you're ultimately moving forward it doesn't matter about what other people are doing 100 and, and i think that ties back to what we talk about in terms of being the strongest version of yourself and helping other people to be the strongest version of yourself it's not trying to be the strongest it's not trying to be the best and all those types of things now obviously if you want to be the best that's great but I think it's very if, important. if you've got a performance based sport or something but even in anything but I think it's very important then that you tie it back to being better than you've been before because that, that, that's really important so, and of, of yourself because like everyone's circumstances are different um, everyone's body's going to respond to different things in a different way so if you're just solely basing it on trying to be better than someone else 
then I don't think that's a healthy way to live. Where if it's, if it's like I want to be better than I was yeah. this time last month, I think that's a very healthy way to live and a very healthy way to view the transformations in terms of I've done the work, I got this this result. I'm really proud obviously of the results because I'm proud of what I've done in terms of my body composition the way I feel but more so I'm more proud of what I've done all those times that I had my vegetables with every meal I'm more proud of myself that I didn't sleep in on those gym sessions and came to the gym I'm more proud of myself that when I went out for dinner I ordered a healthier option than 8 to 80% steak instead of pizza hang your head (laughs) that's the thing that ultimately is going to make you proud not what you got because, for, for instance, if you uh, got the result but you did no work for it, hmm. th- there'll be a very hollow feeling. I think the... Cheating, the, 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 <laughs> cheating yourself. Cheating yeah. yourself. I think the, the sense of... If you photoshopped your results, say. <laughs> say, for instance, you photoshopped the result and you By won. By the way, we have a code around the... <laughs> yeah, so. and, and you won. Yeah. That, that wouldn't be a good feeling. The feeling comes from the, the work and the behaviours and the, the uh, matching your goal and putting it in. Yeah, and I'd love, I would really love people, not just, you know, in the gym, like whoever's listening to this at home in the car or wherever they are, like that's something that we talk about a lot. You see it with social media, people are putting up pictures of themselves and like it's, you know, for us, it's a bit disappointing to see people really buying into that and like, like I don't think that really inspires people the way them trying to improve themselves will inspire them. If you, if you try and improve yourselves every day or every week, like that'll keep you more motivated and that will inspire you to keep improving opposed to looking at somebody on Instagram with his top off who's, who's shredded and thinking like, you know, that that's what I ultimately want to end up looking like. That's not going to inspire people the way sitting down and really working on themselves will. I think, again, it comes back to that perception piece as well that we talked about with the, the Tom Sawyer effect and the way you view, view things is that thing where, like, if we're looking at Instagram and we can either use it as a negative thing and go, well, I'm not like that person. I, Jesus, why don't I look like him or why can't I do that? Um, whereas if you look at it in a different way, wow, look at that guy. Look what he's able to achieve. Oh, I'm actually going to go to the gym now. So for me, mm. the biggest guy I follow on Instagram who gives me that motivation is The Rock. I absolutely love oh, him. Right. I love him. Uh, he's, <laughs> Did he's, you say the other day when you were asked in the, the question was, if one actor had to play you in a movie of your life, you picked The Rock? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You'd have to do some serious trimming down. Yeah. Lose yeah. Some weight. No, I gotta, bulk, I gotta bulk up. Yeah. But, but like, I follow him, and you watch what he does, and I think, it, like, I'm not looking at him and going, "Oh, I'm not like him. Why am I as big as him and stuff like that?" I'm more looking at him and going, "That dude is." filming all these movies doing all this stuff training and he, 4 a.m. and every he day. still gets up at 4 a.m. every day and he's happy with his workouts and he yeah. loves it and he's trying to spread positivity he's all helping all these kids who are sick with cancer and doing all this incredible stuff so instead of comparing myself to him and going well I I don't have this or I'm not that or look at how big he is I, I, I'm not going to be that big or whatever it is it's more like I want to be like that dude. He's a hero. Mm. I'm gonna yeah, take- instead of getting up in the morning and be like, "Oh God, I'm tired." It's like, nah, I'm gonna be like that dude. Yeah, I think I- that it, how you look at the social media and how you perceive things. Instead of trying to compare yourself to someone else, just draw inspiration from that person. Exactly, what yeah. do you like about that person? Actually, I'm gonna try and copy that and try mm. and add that into my own thing. It, it, it's strange it's with body image people do that they look at it and they compare themselves negatively whereas if they look at you playing Reese or they look at you know like Brian O'Driscoll or Johnny Sexton they, they're inspired by that they're never going oh I'll never be as good as him that inspires them to go out and practice or go practice or kicking or work on their fitness 
So it'd be great to see people looking at social media in the same way that they would at other kind of you know people who are in in the limelight more that they can be inspired by. It's it's a uh, it's something that I think is changing a little bit. People are starting to understand it a little bit more. But if, if it could be widespread, it'd be fantastic. I think. Mm. Yeah, and not to go over the same point too much, but in terms of like what you're saying about comparing yourself to other people, I I think if you are com- setting a goal on being like someone else or being better than someone else. Um, you know, you might not get there in four weeks, eight weeks, a year, two years, and you might then go, oh, I'm never going to get there. I'm not good enough or he's he's just naturally better than me or whatever it might be. And you make that excuse and you switch off and you, you know, you go on something else. Whereas if you, if, if you could ultimately have that goal, but if you just focus on making yourself better and you get better every single day, it might take you two years, it might take you four years, it might take you six, but eventually... If you're willing to keep working and keep getting better, you'll probably get better than that person. So well, focus on yourself. I think there's there's only one time that there's an exception. Rose is smiling now, so this is going to be good. He's getting giddy. <laughs> is um, if you're doing a cooking competition oh, for, Uncle, yes. <laughs> for, for Uncle Ben's, then uh, uh, that, free, say, plug, free plug, free plug, free plug. I say that's Uncle the Ben's only time when microwave. Uh, brought to you at all. <laughs> when, when you want to. When you probably look at what someone else is doing and directly compare themselves, I remember uh, we did. We I was riding on Reese's coattails uh, to get to even get the spot to get the, the spot. You know. Yeah, straight on those coattails and riding it all the way into that kitchen, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we got the opportunity to do your do, dinner trolley. Do, do a cooking competition and um, use it. I won. An <laughs> Uncle Ben's and uh, anyway, I was like delighted to be there and I was just fully, fully prepped to take. You were focused on just doing a good job, making a nice dinner. I, if you won, you won. No, I was, I was just ready to take second place. I was like, silver's not bad, baby. Silver's <laughs> not bad. Uh, I, I thought I'll just I'll do my thing. I'll make a little stir fry, and then Reese is going to do this kedgeri and it's this really, fancy, really, yeah, really nice. So I was like, oh, sure, silver's not bad here now. And we went in and we did it, and uh, the the um, people spoke. The, 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 anyway, I was like, yeah, Reese definitely won this, and then my Twitter starts blowing up. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I came home one night on a, after work. Uh, we came over around half nine, ten, and Reese is just sitting Fuming. in the kitchen, stewing with his phone, <laughs> looking at. Me. He's like, "This is not right. What the hell are you thinking?" <laughs> Anyone can make a stir fry. <laughs> <laughs> I made a Kedri, goddammit. I made a Kedri. So I think that's probably the one exception there. Is basics. That, the better basics give you the better results. That's what comes down to reason. Yeah, fancy. So, yeah. Similar story to yesterday in the bodyweight blitz and me taking on oh, Sarah <laughs> Warren in, in the burpees and uh, getting humbled. Humbled badly. Uh, yeah. Uh, but um, Her technique was questionable though. Uh, obviously, the reason I brought that up was to... To, to to obviously relive one of my finest triumphs, but more importantly was to tie in to give Reese and get people to hear from Reese about his cooking. So I'm blessed that I get to come home many nights and all I have to do is put in a WhatsApp a thumbs up to say that I'm a big brother I, I, cooks I, for you. To put my name in the pot and Reese cooks some of the most awesome food you'll That's- ever have and he spends hours cooking it and it's kind of one of Reese's big hobbies and one of Reese's big passions is cooking really awesome food um, that's really really healthy and I've not I've seen in Reese over the last three years just a massive um, 
upshift in his skills, his passion, and his uh, desire to cook awesome, healthy food. Um, and I just wanted to kind of ask you, Reese, about what kind of triggered that in you over the last while, because I've seen... Hmm. Uh, well, firstly, you're right. You, I do get the thumbs up in the WhatsApp group from him, but the funny thing is sometimes I don't even ask and I might have asked like three days ago and I won't be cooking that night and there'll be a thumbs up in the WhatsApp group from Kieran at like half seven. I'm ready. I'm ready for dinner. Why didn't you ask the question? So I have to go out to the shop and uh, whip him up for a little something. But Rose is uh, looking at me nodding. This is yeah. true story. Yeah, yeah, true, true story. Um, yeah, I, I guess I've, like yourself, there we're always been into food and we love our grub, uh, good grubbers. I would never have known that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. love food. Uh, but I suppose the passion started from uh, mum. She's like cook. incredible cook, uh, the best. And also she's always made like really, really healthy food for us. And uh, we were really lucky in that sense growing up. There was always healthy food on the table and it would be a huge passion of her. So that's probably where the passion started. Um, and then living on our own from what, 18 having to fend for ourselves and at that time i i, I love food but i wasn't into cooking and i was <laughs> there's shocking. a big difference people. Yeah, yeah yeah i was shocking at cooking but uh yeah i suppose just once i i started to like understand and learn what types of you know herbs and spices go with what types of food and how to create certain flavors and tastes and uh also do it in a healthy way as well um i just kind of the passion just started to grow and now I absolutely love it and like Kieran said I'd happily spend like a good few hours in the evening um, at home cooking up something healthy but something tasty as well um, I think kind of blessed really in terms of the job that I do you guys coming home like nine ten at night like it doesn't really allow you to spend that amount of time and really grow a passion in cooking as such like you're just trying to get the fuel quickly a lot of the time whereas I can spend a little bit more time on it because we'd be finished training at sort of four o'clock three o'clock in the afternoon half days yeah half days yeah I, I think one thing though the, the kind of difference there is like priorities yeah as in for, for myself I really 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 enjoy cooking I enjoy uh, winning cooking competitions you enjoy exactly that. <laughs> um, but my passion probably lies more in the nutrition side so mm. I'm coming at a slightly different angle than you with that because I see you would do a lot of things that would be highly inconvenient that even if I finished at three o'clock in the day I don't know if I'd do to get the result that you do because you're, you're so what I'm trying to say is I think it does come down to I think you're not maybe giving yourself enough credit because you could easily not go and get all the things fresh so I see Reese and he'll make if there's a sauce or a paste with the dish he won't go and get the jar of it, whereas I'd be more tempted to go, well, sure, I'll get this jar of this, and then that will be good enough. Mm. Reese will go and make the paste from scratch. He'll do it from scratch. So I'd see you, because you're so passionate about it and you love it, and you look at the recipes and you go, right, I want to do the best partial version of this, and I want to learn about this. I'm going to go off and I'm going to make that mm. paste, and it's going to take me an extra hour to do this but it's something you love because I, I yeah. definitely do see that that uh, even though you do maybe finish at three you end up doing half an hour to the shop 
then when you get home, you spend an extra hour making this sauce that you could have. <laughs> you, 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 you wouldn't know you, the difference. You, done, you, you do know the difference. Yeah. You definitely do know the difference. But it's not. it wouldn't be a game breaker in terms of the dish. But mm. uh, I think. You keep Rods happy with Tom. Yeah, up. I suppose mm-hmm. when I like look at it, I probably. Look, at the time, it definitely helps me. Like, it might be a bit of sort of a switch off and allow me to unwind. I definitely use it as something that, like that where I can just. Uh, come back down, relax, and kind of switch off for an hour or two in the evening. So there's that. But then, other than that, I don't know if I'm actually enjoying it at the time, but there's something about, um, you know, starting with your raw ingredients, um, and a couple of hours later, you've got something that looks completely different, is, like, really tasty, really nutritious, and, like, looks good as well. I, like... I like making things like look a bit of a like maybe perfectionist in in that sense. I'd always like even if I'm just cooking for like myself, I'll like Play dress it up, it up and like it. yeah, do it all. So like, there's just something about that process of starting with all these raw ingredients and being able to transform it into something you know totally different and pretty pretty cool, pretty Seeing amazing. The finished product. Seeing the finished product yeah. in a couple of hours time. I think I like that process as opposed to the chopping and the yeah. steering and like I don't actually probably enjoy what I'm doing at the time and like sometimes but like, but you're like you said you're probably using that as a switch off like rugby, rugby yeah. is such a it's a physically demanding game it's an emotionally demanding game mentally demanding game when you're in the middle of like like Champions Cup is next week mm. so like that's going to be a big week intense week of training is, is cooking a really good switch off for you there's nothing else that you use to try and switch off in, in those tough weeks or anything <clears> that helps you recover um, yeah well that's the training. only other thing I am conscious of is like it can be a lot of time on feet like cooking so I would tend to, I'd probably cook maybe like three or four nights a week. Well, sorry, would you think down to that detail? Okay, I'm on my feet for two hours here. This isn't good for recovery before a game. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I, like if I was getting closer to a game or if I was feeling any like tightness or um, fatigue from a day's training, yeah. I would definitely limit myself. That's why like I don't tend to like meal plan for the whole week. And I suppose needs must, like if I was maybe didn't have the time and then that would be something I would have to consider whereas for me I can you know decide on what I want to eat how I'm feeling am I feeling fatigued am I feeling like I can do an hour two hours on my feet and you know spend that time unwinding in the kitchen or am I tired fatigued and am I going to whip up something in 20 minutes and spend a bit more time on another form of recovery or unwinding where I'm less active and on my feet less. So it definitely is something I would consider and I would kind of tailor it on a day-to-day basis depending on how training's gone, how a game's gone and how tired I'm feeling really. Or if Kieran puts a thumbs up in the WhatsApp group <laughs> and I've got to whip him up a fancy dinner in uh, from half seven till nine when he gets home. Yeah, Um and then, like, is there anything that you use? Like, what are your indicators for that kind of stuff? Is it just how you feel? I'm a bit tight, or you just like you know it's been a very tough yeah. week. You don't want to take any risks. A bit of both, definitely. I like over time you do understand your body well, and I'd be pretty in tune now in terms of understanding where my potential weak spots are. Anywhere where if I feel tightness here, it's probably something I need to act on, and I need to you know get in the gym. I need to activate some muscles i need to release a few muscles i need to do some form of movement to get moving otherwise this stiffness is going to turn into a creek and it could become a problem down the line or i need to do my ice baths um you know this could be a problem so like over time you know 10 years of doing this day to day you you do understand your body a lot more and i can tell now what sort of tightness is bad and 
it's bad and it could lead to a problem down the line and I need to act on it or what's you know a little bit fatigued from a training session rest up doms you'll be okay no no need to act on this or worry about it too much so um yeah there's definitely strategies though like my my favorite thing for recovery is sea swimming but uh, sea point sea point yeah but I have reached the point where it's by far too cold for me yeah for me to go in at this time now I just just can't bring myself to do it more regularly. Well, so you look impressed with that. You're sort of debating it, are you? No, no, no. It's definitely too cold for me. <laughs> End of October, November. Start I'm still November, seeing people on me. Instagram out there. Every I know. Day, fair yeah. play. I think I go a little bit later every year, like maybe like a day later. So yeah. maybe by the time I'm like 60, I'll be like up to February. In the nip out there with all the old fellas. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> that makes yeah. sense if you look at a lot of the guys who are out there now. They are yeah. slightly yeah. older, actually. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're hard as nails. They've got yeah. that crazy beat strong kind of yeah. mentality. Yeah. I definitely think that that's massive feel good it there's definitely something in it scientific you guys would probably know oh, better sure, in terms yeah. of the science behind it but uh, makes you feel good as well even mentally physically you feel great after it and uh, that'd be the main sort of go-to up until then otherwise ice baths now so yeah you can be indoors and cold and cold it's yeah. good for the soul getting out there in sea points um mm-hmm. yeah awesome um and is, is rat nelson just quickly because we would love to see you know, mobility is something that we try to look at a lot with our strength programs and mm. trying to keep people, like most people that, that we see or people who are listening at home if they're driving in their car or sitting at their desk, they're probably in the kind of 50 minutes listening to this so far, they've adjusted their shoulders or their hips or something's probably not feeling great. Um, like, is there anything that you just always have, like a, a quick routine that you hit if your hips are tight or your back is tight? Is there something that you always do? Yeah, uh, but I do try and like keep it sort of, try and keep learning like lucky with the physios and snc guys and um chatting to you guys and stuff i'm always like kind of learning stuff that you can add in but there would be like a handful of things that i would do i don't want to give away too much about my body and what areas i need to work on and but would it be sort of like hopping on a foam roller would it be no i think where, where i've kind of gone with things is I used to do a lot of stretching and just think like, oh, if I'm tight, I'll loosen out this muscle. And like, that was kind of the extent of it. Yeah. And that was like what I do in the morning or in in the evening if I was tired or tight. Whereas now, like as I've learned over the years, like I would do a lot more movement based, like activation of muscles with a bit of mobility in them. So like things like a, like a goblet squat, say, like to, to, pattern that movement allowed me to get a little bit deeper into my squat pattern but also at the same time i'm like activating my glutes yeah. switching on my glutes and i'm trying to switch off open up my adductors at the same time uh you know it's trying to get a little bit deeper into that squat pattern and like things like that where i'm uh i wouldn't be going heavy doing these things these are just, just to, to get, get me moving, moving. Yeah, yeah, yeah and get me moving but also to activate the muscles that tend to be a little bit weaker with me and the muscles that tend to be a little bit tight and overactive, I'm I'm also encouraging them just to free up and not be so uh, worried about like my hip joint. Don't don't worry, it's okay. You can relax out. Yeah, yeah. I can I can go there. Just allow me to. So things like that, um, and yeah, just exercises that are going to hit both mobility, bit of stability but, as well. Well, that's something even talking to Rich and yeah. with the animal <clears throat> flow. Uh, I loved I love Rich. I wasn't really. Uh, familiar with him I heard you guys talking about him but from hearing him on here last week thought he was excellent a lot better probably job than I'm doing waffling on he but does talk pretty slick yeah, he made cool. us look bad as well yeah, yeah. Worry, yeah. but um, even just from watching his videos on the back of it I'd love to incorporate some of that animal flow stuff into what I'm doing just seems like 
you know the day-to-day of lifting a lot of heavy weights and things like that can you know it makes you strong in one plane of motion as you guys were saying or a specific plane of motion but in terms of being functionally strong and able to uh, move and adapt to you know a ball on the ground and getting hit in all different directions you need to be strong in uh, all sorts of rotational elements in their planes of motion so uh, animal flow looks like the biz yeah and just get moving i think that's yeah. like like i said if you're getting out of a car like people get moving don't wait and then just try a couple of days later do some stretching like get like reese is saying get moving it'll definitely help yeah um, movement is medicine movement as a medicine that's yeah. what our own physio here says uh, yeah. yeah that's exactly it um, and then obviously you're currently like we said in the intro at the start you're pursuing the degree in strength and conditioning with Santa College um, like what, what attracted you to sort of come into performance coaching obviously you're in a performance environment where you're playing all the time what, what really excites you about coaching people yeah um, I think uh, I, I, every day in Leinster like I'm as I said I'm around like really really good uh snc coaches the best the best like physios and i'm like over the course of eight ten years or whatever i've been like learning things and i've just realized that every day if someone's treating my ankle or whatever it is my knee and they're telling me what they're doing i'm always like asking questions and i'm just it really has always triggered an interest for me same within the gym if we're doing something i'll always be asking questions and i want to know why we're doing something i won't just go and do it and I've always had that kind of passion to learn and uh, find out more. So I suppose I was learning in an informal way in the day-to-day in training. And, uh, yeah, I just realized I love it. I love chatting to these guys who are experts at what they do in within S&C or physio or whatever it is. And, uh, yeah, it was just a real passion of mine. So that's where it kind of stemmed from. And then coming in here and doing some work experience with you guys, doing some coaching. I loved the environment. I loved just everything about it. I felt really good uh, coming in here on an evening off that I had. I felt really, really good leaving. I felt better for it the next day. So I just thought those two things together, um, I'd love to further my learning and uh, see is it something that I'd like to do in the future. Yeah, and uh, is, it the, is it the motivating factor that you love when you're getting kind of more out of people or is it the real technical, working on, looking at their technique? What, what, what excites you the most about it? Um, I think initially it was probably... Um, motivating people and seeing them um, respond to your encouragement and positivity uh, that's still definitely a huge passion and I love that that's you know it's always a good feeling when you can see someone uh, the encouragement you're giving them the positivity that you're giving them and it lifts them and drives them on but um, I'm definitely uh, the more I'm sort of learning I'm um, starting to realize I'm you know really interested in like anatomy and how the body works um, probably more towards that sort of prehab element and rehab and understanding injuries, injury prevention. Um, I suppose it'll help me in my career at the moment as well. And um, as I said, understanding your body is something that you learn from training uh, for a long period of time and playing as well. So um, I think it only adds to that and it's positive on both fronts. I think probably one thing that we can take out of it for people who aren't elite athletes is what Reese is talking about is looking after your body and knowing your body and doing the things that allow you to do it because if you think about it we've only got one body so if you look at the way Reese is doing it where he's um, 
cooking really nutritious food, looking at what he's eating and trying to eat things that make him feel good. But then he's also uh, doing things where he's not all about just killing himself in the gym all the time, killing himself in the matches. He does the work that he needs to do and he's like, he's extremely diligent, extremely hard working. But he's also like, well, I need to be making sure that I'm getting enough sleep and make, make sure I'm getting enough rest. I need to make sure I'm doing movement to make my body feel good. So he's, looking after his body so us for people in the general population for us is instead of waiting to the time when you can't lift your arm over your head because your shoulder's so yeah. goosed or waiting to the time that you can't get up over the stairs um without being out of breath or waiting till a saturday when you're so tired from the week that you just sleep for 16 hours is maybe taking that mindset of we should all be looking after our body and doing the things that make us feel good so we can perform at our, our best yeah, for sure. And like that, the thing you're talking about switching off mentally with cooking or like, I know you like to play golf, regularly get beaten by me. You know, you know, but that was my first time in like 10 years and you <laughs> dragged so, me out onto the hardest course I've ever played where I spent about six hours in the bunker. So so what you're saying is do things that, you know, like switching off that make, make your body feel good, make your mind feel good, help you realize why you're going through what you're going through to get to where you want to be. And they'll just make the whole process more enjoyable and easier. Yeah, and kieran's point as well about not waiting until it becomes a problem try and keep on top of things enjoy being able to move being able to look after your body rather than the point where i can't lift my shoulder over my head i can't play golf and beat rory in golf mm. i'm going to need to really go see a specialist about this after golf afterwards <laughs> but look listen you're going to be what well, sorry one of us is going to be doing a lot of moving very soon because you listened to the last week podcast reese yeah you understand we do a fitness forfeit every yep. week Rudds, have you come up with one for us this week? I certainly have oh. come up with one this week. We are going to do... Well, not we, Reese probably. Uh, yeah, <laughs> last week I said you and I got in trouble for saying you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> instead, of, instead of we. One of us. Rich did that, one. by the way. Rich, you, it's, well, this is going to make me look really bad. Okay, Rich did it. He sent us in the videos. It looked great. Then Rudds, being typical Rudds, he went and did it also. I haven't done it. I'm not going to do it. Why? Because we won. Rich lost. Yeah. I'm not. If I, when I lose, I'll do it. Yeah. When I win, I Any won't. Any excuse for Kieran? Yeah. Just oh, look at me. I'm great. You know, <laughs> I'm not actually making me look bad, Rods. We're supposed to be a team here. Sorry, sorry. Yeah. Just, okay. I, He's on Rich's team. He <laughs> <laughs> loves Rich. Well, yeah, I, I love Rich. I've got a slight man crush on Rich now, yeah. so I wanted to show solidarity. All right. What's Reese doing this week? <laughs> what is Reese doing this week? Reese is going to do. Uh, an arm workout sweet well when whenever whenever he i hope i'll do it right if when, he's, i'll do this when, one whenever he's uh it's, it's his performance yeah. exactly <laughs> exactly and it's going to consist of 10 rounds oh sweet of uh 50 underhand bicep curls and then 50 band tricep extensions oh nice and how long does that take? Thousand reps. Thousand reps, baby. Tear your tricep and boys. Yeah. yeah. Just, just Probably do it next week after the game. Yeah. <laughs> nice lightweight. It's not too heavy. Like, yeah, okay, very good. Right, yeah. listen, that sounds sweet because what we've got for you two boys, obviously, spending large portions of your life in Wales, large portions in Ireland. We've got a half Welsh, half Irish quiz for you. Uh, a Ruddock quiz. Uh, yeah, we could call it a Ruddock <laughs> quiz. Uh, Big Mike has looked over some of the questions. He's happy. Um, but what we're going to do is <clears throat> I'll ask the question. You, if you answer the question correctly, you get one point. If you answer incorrectly, you get minus a point. The question can be passed on. So if Rudds gets it wrong, Reese, you have the opportunity to step in and answer the question to pick up the point. But bear in mind, you could also lose a point. Are the rules clear, gentlemen? 
Yes. Okay, yes. We, we talked before we went on air about making noises like to buzz in. Reese, what was yours again? Reese. <laughs> <laughs> no, you made like a frog noise beforehand. So, yeah. <laughs> stage fright. So you say Reese to get in. Or big Rods, big, big Rods. Big Rods. Little Rods. Little Rods and Reese. Okay, that's what we serve. Rods and Reese. So you shout your name and then you get ready. Okay, so, all right, ready to rock? Yep. Question number one. Is St. Patrick Welsh or Irish? Reese. Uh, <laughs> St. Patrick, born in Wales, moved to Ireland. Yeah, that's, I'll take, absolutely accept that. Uh, okay, 1 0 Reese. I'm just going to write this down because I don't want to forget and then lose. Reese, 1, Rhodes, 0. Okay, um, rugby question. In the head to head between Ireland and Wales, which country has won more games? Rhodes. Rhodes. Stutter Rhodes. <laughs> Wales. R- Wales. Okay, 1 all. Yeah, all right. Wales won 68, Ireland 50, and there's been seven draws. All right, question number three. 2009, Grand Slam, Ireland-Wales, Millennium Stadium. Who kicked the dropkick? Rudds. Ron Lugard. Hot Rudds with Raj. 2-1. I actually want to, uh, us to lose this so I can get this. I can do this well anyway. Okay. Um, which Welsh team is Irishman Bernard Jackman currently coaching? Reese. Oh, Rhodes was in first three. I'm sorry. Oh, he was. Dragons. The dragons. Dragons. Okay, 3 1, Rhodes. Very good. Um, bam, 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 bam. I'm just going to say my name next one because. <laughs> you got it. You got to get something. You in. give him all the easy ones. Uh, I wouldn't say your name for this one yet because you won't know where it's going. All right. Current, current Welsh coach Warren Gatland also coached Ireland from 1998 to 2001. But what I want to know. Is which premiership team did he coach? Rods. Hot Rods. Wasps. Woohoo! Oh my god, 4 1. Okay, Reese, you've literally got to get the next three right to have any chance of a play. I thought there was only five questions. No, no, there's no, no, no. Okay. Extra questions. Uh, well, you'd be smoked by this stage. Um, on the Irish TV show, The Toughest Trade, where athletes swap from professional sports with amateur GAA players, what? Ah, come oh, come on. He's seen these questions. He hasn't. He hasn't. They're written on my phone. He hasn't seen the questions. He doesn't uh, even know what the question Reece, is here. Yeah. Well, no, no, hang Reece. on. He said Rhodes. Shane Williams, I win. No, no, no. He doesn't know what the question is yet because this is good. I'm taking a gamble. Okay, right. Rhodes, what's your gamble? I'm saying Shane Williams. No, no you would be wrong. So <laughs> I'm going to get... Can I hear the full question, please? You can, but you also don't have to answer because Rhodes just got lost a point. Let's go through the rules here. Rhodes is back to three. You're on one. So yeah. if you're careful, you don't. if you get it right, boom. Yeah, big game changer. Because he jumped in, so... I don't deserve to not hear the full question. You will get to hear the full question. Yeah. You'll get to hear the full question. So I'll go again. Uh, sorry, whoa. There's a lot of action here for Sunday morning. <laughs> On the Irish TV show. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Shane Williams came to which county to play Gaelic football? Do you want to take that, Reese, or do you want to sit? On um. the- <laughs> <laughs> I'm between two. If you get this wrong, you're done. But Monaghan. No! Donny Gall. Played for Glenn Swilly. Oh, yeah. Okay, well, look, Rudds could still get something wrong here. So we're now at 3 0 to the Rudds. Okay. Oh, here we go. Here's a good one. Uh, What player represented both the Ospreys and Ulster over 50 times? Rudds. Tommy Ball. (laughs) (laughs) 
Uh, yeah, Tommy Bow it is. Okay, right, so that's... Yeah, you're pretty much done, Reese. but I'll ask this last one. Anyway, uh, in that 2009 Grand Slam game, Stephen Jones missed a penalty kick with the last kick of the game. Who gave away the penalty on the halfway line? Come on. You have a crack. <laughs> Rudds. Rudds. Paul O'Connell. No. Paddy Wallace. You didn't give me a chance to answer. I was going to say no. Paddy Wallace. No. <laughs> <laughs> One point. You, no. Point. So you got smoked, Reese. This is good, Rudds. That's two in a row for the lads. Um, yeah, look, Reese, if you're stuck for a buddy to help out with this, I don't mind doing this. Okay, cool. I'll skip the 300 calories on the, the erg, but I'll definitely knock out a thousand reps on the arms. Um, Reese, thanks so much for joining us. We have had a blast. Thanks, thanks for, for having me, you guys. Enjoyed yourself. Thank you. Um, if you're listening, this again, will be the one podcast of yours I don't listen to. I'd say, <laughs> yeah. Um, again, if you're listening, make sure you hit subscribe on iTunes or SoundCloud. If you like what you heard, uh, hit us up. What's your Instagram handle, Reese? Uh, at at Reese Ruddock ninety. I know that. Is right? it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, I'm in charge yes. of that kind of stuff. Rudds. Kieran Ruddock. Kieran Ruddock, straight up, or Rory Mac FFS, or hit up FFS Gym. If you've got any questions that you'd like us to, to put to our next couple of guests or any topics you'd like covered, please let us know. Uh, we'll catch you next time from the Home of Hard Work. Mm-hmm.